Hello, food world. It's your favorite foodie friend, Robert Crutchfield from Crutchfield Cooks, here with another informative episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. This time around, we're talking flour. We're talking flour with Matthew Clayton from the Good Flour Company. We get into it all. The protein aspect of it, the flavor aspect of it. Let's get rolling. Here's Matthew. Assumes 40 minutes. We're going to hit Assumes 40 minute limit. <laughs> okay. We're here with Matthew Clayton. Matthew, why don't you fill everybody in on, on who you are and what you're doing? Because you've got that down a lot better than I do. Well, thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure. Well, we're the Good Flower Co. Let me tell you a little bit about us. So we're located in Vancouver, British Columbia on the west coast of Canada, where we have two facilities that where we're producing dry blends that are gluten-free and allergen-free, protein-infused, and as we like to say, better for you, ways to eat and cook. We look at ourselves in this sort of era of disruption as the disruptor of flour, and it's not to make flour today the, the evil opponent, but for people who are looking to eat cleaner and to control parts of their diet when it comes to allergens and how they feel, we believe that we're making some pretty fantastic blends that people can cook and bake with on a daily basis that are fantastic for their health. We've been doing that now for 10 years. The company was recently rebranded to the Good Flower Co., where we've launched now into over a thousand retail doors in the United States, and we continue to grow our food service business. And Good Flower was really the brainchild of Chef Jen Peters, who is my colleague and the founder in the business and Jen is a trained chef, and she was a French-trained pastry chef. So you can imagine when she found out that she had an allergy to gluten and just what that would mean to her life, using flour as the baseline for so many things in her kitchen and the restaurants that she worked in. So she set out on a journey to create a better-for-you, all-purpose, gluten-free flour. And that isn't something that you just jump into the kitchen and start throwing ingredients together. There's a lot of thought that's gone into her product line with her partner, Chef Amid Selimian. They've built now about eight different dry blends that were all a basis of the all-purpose flour. So it's an exciting time for us. We're having a real great success out in the industry with our products because they are ready to use out of the, out of the bag, as we say, they're pre-sweetened and pre-spiced. So we take all the guesswork out of it for the home chef and for the chefs in the back of restaurants and those kitchens that we eat at every day. I think that's something else because I know you mentioned the stores, but don't you do also do quite a bit of business with the restaurant industry? We do. So the company was actually built on what we call food service, which is really the restaurant industry. So restaurant chains and hotels and casinos, you name it, anywhere where there's you know volume eating and volume cooking. So that's where the company was built. And, and we continue to build out those channels. We also do baked goods as well. We have an award-winning pizza shell. We're the exclusive provider of gluten-free pizza shells to Panago Pizza in Canada, one of the largest, if not largest, pizza chains in Canada. And we also do a bun, gluten-free, allergen-free bun that is distributed to some restaurants as well. When you say bun, are you talking about a bun as in like a side item? Are you talking about bun like in a hamburger bun or... Yeah, hamburger buns. So these are five-inch round buns that can be used for sandwiches or for hamburgers, you name it. We make that product also in our facility on the West Coast of Canada. Uh, so you're getting a lot of distribution then across uh, both Canada and the U.S. Uh, 
We are. We are over both borders and working in our country at, at pace and also now down to the United States. We have large distribution with you know major distributors like Gordon Food Services, Cisco, Harvest, KE, Dot Food. So we are with all the major distributors and have the ability to, sh- to create our product and ship it down to our U.S. customers. It's one of the real advantages, Robert, of what we've done with the rebuilding of the company, which was building out our own facility. Sure. You know, it's become very, very tough out there in these markets, whether people want to say we're in a recession or not a recession. These are challenging times in the food industry. There are challenging times for restaurants, challenging times for retail outlets, and everyone is feeling price. We're seeing cost of goods go up. We deal with transportation, so oil directly affects every company trying to move their product from point A to point B. And so really what's happening now from my observation in the food in general is to go out and make your product with other companies and then to package it and then to distribute it. That model is getting very tough. So we make our own products. We supply and source all of our own raw materials. We blend everything in-house, and we want to do that everywhere we can without using other companies to help us produce our products. We also control all of our QAQC and all of our certifications that we run with that are very important to our product line when we're dealing with allergens. I can imagine. And my concern with the co-packer model, as it's called, is that not only would it be expensive because you're adding another layer to the process, but... My other concern, if I were a food manufacturer, would be with things, as you mentioned, the quality assurance and the quality control and HACCP and other food safety type concerns even. How do you, I mean, I can see where it would be an uphill battle to police that when your production is in somebody else's house. Oh, absolutely. You've got a variety of different issues that you may run into, intellectual property and having to give people your whatever you want to call your secret sauce. There's many different things that companies face, but when you're small and starting out, the infrastructure and the capital requirements are intensive. So for a lot of brands, it's not possible to bring everything in-house. We were extremely fortunate with the group that we work with and, and, and our shareholder base and investors who believe in us to make sure that we build out that bandwidth. It is just so very important right now in this cost sensitive environment to be controlling everything you're doing. And the the one area that everyone is still struggling with, I think coming out of COVID, everyone thought after COVID had started to move on that everything would snap back into shape very quickly. <clears throat> I don't agree with that ideology at all. I actually think now we're seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, now we're seeing the real effects of supply chain and what COVID has done to many businesses who are trying to come back And the biggest impact on that to me is human capital and labor. So, you know, having your own equipment, having your own facility and having strong quality labor is everything right now. And the companies that have that in place will win the long game. The companies who did not will find it very difficult, I believe, to survive over the next 36 months. I I can see that. And it seems to be, I don't know if it's really hitting the restaurant or the grocery business as much. But one thing I know that I feel like I'm seeing in the grocery space is I think there's going to be a lot more pain left in 2023 than there is, than a lot of people are predicting. And the reason I say that is you have all these commodity price pressure things going on. At the same thing, 
at the same time, rather, consumer pushback is starting to hit pretty hard. And and I can see the whole restaurant industry kind of getting caught in that vice. Oh, are, yeah. are you seeing a lot of any of that from where you're at? Absolutely. I mean, that's a very involved conversation. I know for our time today, we want to cover lots of different things. But overall, I agree with you. You know, I'm I'm congruent with that thinking, which I'm seeing that as a parent, you know, as a shopper myself at retail levels, as someone who goes out and dines, you're seeing pressure everywhere, the labor pressure, the supply chain pressure, cost of goods pressure, and that translates to the grocery store where we shop. And as you and I know, the place that you want to shop in a grocery store to maintain the best health is the circumference. You want to mm-hmm. be in the outside aisles when you're yeah. looking for fresh vegetables and fruit, your produce, your meat your dairy, and you're trying to avoid those inside aisles as much as possible on processed foods, just basic 101 with our shopping and, and overall health. And the stores don't want to be increasing prices on retail buyers. They want to keep their customers. So they're very sensitive. And who they're pushing back on is the suppliers and the people producing these products. And we're the ones yeah. feeling the pain. So <clears throat> it is a time not for the week. It is a time to be very diligent and diligent with your strategy of how you're producing your products, how you're picking your customers. And it's not always about more is better. So we're being very specific with specific retail clients that make sense for us, specific food service clients that make sense for us. And we're looking to work with people and groups that are concerned with quality products that we can deliver time and time again with the quality and the assurance they want in those products for their, for their customers. Absolutely. And if you don't mind, let's, let's circle back. Cause I, one of the things I want to do particularly for our listeners that are not in the business per se is to take a deeper dive into just exactly why your line of products, why, what makes good flour so good? Oh, that's a great question. Good flour is so good. I like that. We have a little trademark that Robert. I like that. So what we've done is I talk about disruption, whether that's been disruption in the dairy industry, the meat industry. We talk about disruption with, say, Uber and taxis and what Netflix did to Blockbuster. Everyone's disrupting something over the past 25 years, especially these last two decades. And we have been what we call disrupting the flower business. So we are creating products that are carefully sourced that are free of the top eight allergens. So people who are looking to eat free of the top allergens that can be affecting their bodies in a variety of different ways. So gluten gets all the focus, but really that's just one of the allergens we're dealing with. You know, we've got dairy, we've got soy, you've got, you know, over meat-based and bovine proteins. You could go on and on, but you know, those top allergens that people are trying to avoid, the nut, the soy, and then we work right across those. So our products are high in fiber, low, low sugar, and high in protein. We're doing some interesting things right now that, you know, I know you want to talk about with potato protein. It's very novel. Not a lot of people know about potato protein. So I'm happy to educate your listeners and tell them a little bit about that because it's very exciting. One of the things that people that are not in the business in one form or another, like we are, don't understand is that uh, people are quick to say gluten-free, but at the same time, gluten is a major source of proteins in flour. This is right. Particularly so, in, in baking applications and, and say, yeah. the pizza business and, and things like that. That was one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about because sure. 
just like our listeners, I'm learning things as you talk about about your product. And uh, I find it interesting that you're talking about that it's a high protein flour. I know that you're kind of, I guess, the business guy, not the not Chef Jen or any of those people, but I'm sure you all have discussed it. Can you go in a little bit on the on that aspect of it and how the the proteins in your products stand up to pasta making, baking, and some of the different applications, much like semolina or APF or the other flowers we're more familiar with? Sure. I, mean, I think the best place to start is to retrace that back and, and just give a, a teeny overview of where did, you know, gluten-free come from? How did it start? You know, and if you look at wheat in the United States and Canada, we have hard wheat here. It's different than soft wheat over in Europe. It's sprayed differently. It's cropped differently. And people say, I went to Italy and I ate bread all day long and I never bloated and I, and I felt good and I'm super, I'm super confused. You know, it must be because I was in such a good mood and with my husband and my wife and we're drinking wine and, and life is just grand. And maybe that's why I didn't feel. And I always say, well, that's a great theory, but it doesn't really hold water. So, you know, let's talk about gluten in North America, traditional wheat, which over the past 40 years has completely changed to what, how it looks and feels and has been genetically modified for decades and decades. So the gluten that we're seeing now, the levels of gluten is much higher. There's people who can tolerate gluten. And there's people who simply can't. Celiac, obviously, at the top of the pyramid, can become very ill and even die. And this is a very serious allergic response that they have in their dietary needs, and they cannot play with that fire. And then I think you've got about 50% of the population that has an allergic response to it and doesn't even know what that means or why, but doesn't feel that great when they eat a big whack of bread or pasta, but says, I'm going to do it anyway. And if you look at how the products were developed early on, Chef Jen said something to me that was really profound. Even though I'm not the chef, I've been dealing in and out of the health industry for a very long time. She said, you know, Matthew, really what happened was someone said, let's make it gluten-free. And the first thing you would do is remove the wheat and the wheat protein. And suddenly you could say, well, that's gluten-free. But the problem is that you've stripped the nutritional value out of the product now. And you have what's, I look at as sort of an empty vehicle with no gasoline in it. So what Jen did and why I said earlier that her all-purpose flour, this wasn't something she just came up with. She's like, I need to make something that works, that I can bake with and cook with, that can withstand heat, that's you know, shelf stable, that is going to stick together, stay together, as we say, but also has nutritional balance to it. So it's how do you put the fiber in it? How do you get the protein in it? And, and how do you make a product that's going to deliver those dietary needs. And that's what she did. So using things like millet and buckwheat flour, white rice flour, brown rice flour, psyllium husk, ginger, tapioca, all the things that we need to use in different variations to bring these products together so that the person who's now eating that product is getting the nutritional needs that they require for their body. So I call it the evolution of gluten-free. And sure. I use it, I use the analogy like cars, all cars are not the same and all gluten-free products that say they're gluten-free are not delivering the same nutritional balance. And, and that's what we're doing with our product line right now, Robert. Good. I, I think, I think products like yours are probably going to become sort of accelerated, but I think there is going to be an education process involved because I think a lot of people just don't understand flour for one thing. And you talked about the difference in the the wheat between the the United States and the in Europe, and it, but it's even more than that. 
what a lot of people don't understand is flour here in the United States is not even classified the same way as flour in Europe. Flour in the United States is classified according to protein content, whereas flour in Europe is generally classified by the size of the grain that the flour is milled to, which is where you get double O flour, for instance. I, I have people all the time, they say, how much how much double O flour is the same as X amount of APF here in the United States? I'm like, well, it doesn't really work that way. Well, now you're getting, now we, we can really get down the rabbit hole together on some of that stuff. I tend to stay out of those rabbit holes because I think that it's really easy to make food complicated. It's really mm. easy to, to talk about food as medicine. And I do believe food is medicine. And that's part of the problem we have in North America is how we look at food in general and 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 where we've come from the the food pyramid and how that was created and don't get me started. So, you know, I think it's time to get back to basics and to really think about how we should be feeding ourselves, the sustainability of food. And and really I I try not to preach this at people. And sometimes I need to take my own advice, but you know, really just ask us, how do you feel? after you eat, you know, how do you feel that day, the next day? How is your sleep? How is your skin? How's your digestive system? How's your energy levels? It doesn't take a lot to monitor a lot of that, but many people don't have the education and the background maybe to, to take a deep dive. And one of the things that I have a real problem with is food economics and that how we have kept lower families in North America and globally has always been about you know, a money diversity of who will eat clean proteins, clean water and feed themselves effectively and, and how that's all worked. And if you look at the cheapest part of the grocery aisles, where are those? You and I both know they're in the middle where processed foods are kept and the most expensive places we need to be are on the outsides where buying protein now is getting very expensive. You want it from cottage cheese? Do you want it from a chicken breast? Do you want it from salmon? Do you want it to be plant-based? What do you want? You want protein, you want 100 grams of it. It's become a mathematical equation. Whey protein, New Zealand whey, you name it, you're going to pay for it somewhere. So I find it very, very fascinating. And I think we do sometimes overthink it. And with our products, the philosophy is simple. Better for you, strong nutritional panel, easy to use, good shelf life, pre-sweetened, pre-spiced. Follow our recipes and you'll make delicious food. When I say to, when I say to you, Robert, gluten free, what's the first thing, if you were being honest, that comes to mind to most people when you say gluten free? You, what do you think? What would you say to me? Well, I mean, the first thing I think of is, is what you think about before is they 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 strip that outer the shell and the hour later off that wheat kernel because that's yeah, where yeah. the the gluten layer is. Yeah. It's like, when I, okay. And I, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I was like to ask people, you know, when most people, well, the answers I get back from people at a trade show or cocktail party or just over at my house when I'm entertaining is if it's gluten free, it's going to taste bad. So there's no correlation. There hasn't been a lot of correlation with gluten free, allergen free alternatives that can taste good. Those days are here now. If you eat our pizza shell, you will say, not that that's a great gluten-free pizza shell. You will say, Matthew, that's a great pizza shell. We have clients that use our products in their restaurants that don't tell people they're gluten-free. Mm -hmm. They just work. 
They just work as a calamari coating system, as a fish and chip. They work. If someone says, well, I'm gluten intolerant, oh, well, I got you covered. <laughs> so the holy grail for Chef Jen and Chef Hamid has been, because they have amazing palates and they understand food and building food, because they're food innovators, they understand that if it doesn't taste good, no matter what it does for the body, and this is my history going back with nutritional supplements and sports nutrition and anything. When the first greens products came out, Robert, there's no doubt that those greens product that they made had a pretty heavy nutritional opportunity for you. But the way they tasted was so bad because they were early days doing flavor profiling. People were like, I know it's good for me, but the human body doesn't go to things that don't taste good. That's why they're so hard to follow when they're tough diets and those things because the body goes back to its pleasure and dopamine. And there's no dopamine from that. So now that these products taste so much better and people have assimilated them into their diet, there's a huge adoption of them. And that's what I'm seeing in the gluten-free space. It doesn't have to equal poor taste. Yeah, I think that I'm seeing that a lot across the healthy and healthier foods spectrum of things. And I think that's because in the beginning, like you talk about food that's supposed to be healthier, it was designed by food scientists and nutritionists. And they say things like gluten-free. And of course, the food scientists is like, okay, we'll just strip the outer layer of the kernel off and it's gluten-free. Whereas there's more and more companies like yours that are bringing the chefs in and taste is becoming, is, is definitely becoming a much bigger factor. We're getting a lot of good information here, but I don't want time to get away from us either. I know you got some exciting things going on. Tell us more about things like the the pancake mix you got coming out. And yeah. Some of that kind of stuff. I love it. Well, who doesn't like pancakes and waffles? You know, we're talking about a staple when you're talking about children. And we look at the things that kids are eating and adults are eating. But if I go back to kids for a second, you know, the core items across America, pizza, chicken fingers, mac and cheese, and pancakes, waffles. Most parents are just trying to keep their kids full and get them something that they can feel good about. There's a lot of challenges with cooking. The pancake and waffle space is really interesting. Gluten-free pancakes and gluten-free waffles have, have been around and, and there, but Jen and Hamid created a fantastic pancake and waffle blend. And when I got involved in the company, there was some chatters about protein and, you know, we would dip into conversations about plant-based protein and other proteins on the market. And so Chef Jen and I and Chef Hamid and I got together and we started talking like, listen, we got to really start to look at this. And we've now developed a product using potato protein. Potato protein is fascinating. And some people are embarrassed. They say, you know, oh yeah, I think I know what that is. But when they really get down to it, they don't know because it's very novel. It's being done in Europe. It's out of Holland where we're sourcing right now. We don't have a North American producer at, at working right now with it. So we buy overseas. Protein out of the potato comes from the skin that's extracted in the juice, and then it's dried or hydrophilized into a powder. And it's a very strong amino acid profile. It delivers great protein. The really cool thing about it is it, it's got a, a, a neutral taste profile. So you can use it in blends. It blends well. It absorbs well. And so we're very excited. So we've come up with two products. The first is for children. It's called Patty Cakes. And, uh, and our, our fixture of patty cakes is Glama the Llama. And uh, this is for parents who want to make healthier pancakes and waffles for their children, especially any of them that have allergens and, and allergic response. So you can make it with eggs and milk. 
You can make it with apple juice and no eggs. It's very, very flexible. And it's delivering about 23 grams of protein for the children in three to four dollar kind of size pancakes. So high protein, yes, they're going to put syrup on it. So maybe a parent says, well, Matthew, now there's syrup. There is, and that's called sugar. And guess what? That's okay. In moderation, everything is going to be fine for the child. You want to use jam, use jam. But then we've also made an adult product that we're, we're almost finished through. It'll be a little bit stronger on the protein side and how we'll put the recipe together. But a great product for people who want to have pancakes and waffles, but want protein. You've probably seen things maybe in and out of, you know, pop culture and social media with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. You know, I'm mean, a He's an enigma to me of how he's built his brand. And, you know, he talks about his cheat meals. And I love hearing about his cheat meals. Well, his cheat meals are either some sort of pizza or protein pancakes. And he was just making his own. And a lot of people would take protein powder and just mix it with pancake mix. It doesn't actually work very well. So we've come up with a product that is easy to use, fantastic. And we're getting great response back already as we look out into the market to fill that void we won't be the first to market with a protein pancake, but we are the first using potato protein. And I'm I'm very proud of our team and Chef Jen and Chef Amid for putting it together. Sounds good. Zoom is already warning us. And before it cuts us off completely, I'm sure we're making people hungry out there, even, even with some of the geekier aspects of what we're discussing. Where do we get the good stuff from good flour? Yeah, right now for your U.S. listeners, you know, we would love those listeners to go into Sprouts markets across the United States. There's 380 of those where our product is held right now and, and carried. And we are expanding rapidly into other retail opportunities, including stores like Heinen's in Chicago and boutique sort of specialty stores that love what our brand stands for and the quality of it. We're also available direct to consumer or direct on Amazon. People can go online and buy the product as well and have it delivered to their home. But you'll see more and more doors, uh, Robert, that are available in the coming months here ahead. Hang on. There you are. You went away for a minute. Oh, I'm still here, sir. <laughs> okay. Any last little bit of things that you want to pass along while, while you're Oh, that's always nice to get that kind of closing question where you can say a few things. You know, I think I'd just reiterate just more of what we talked about earlier. You know, not all products are the same. I, I really implore people to look at the ingredients, understand, you know, what they're what they're eating and, and how they're utilizing it and to let go of some of the notions they may have around gluten-free. You know, Robert, really, when I start the conversations, I'm really not keying in all the time on gluten, gluten, gluten. It's just one aspect of our product. This is an allergen-free product that is hitting many different areas for people. It's not just about gluten. You know, it's just about a different way of eating. And we just want to disrupt people's thinking about how they cook and bake. And there's just better ways to do things. So, you know, at the end of the day, be open-minded and gluten-free doesn't have to taste bad. That's a good place to stop. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us and thank you for all the good information. Wow, Matthew, that was some great information. Thank you, sir. Glad to hear everything is going so well up there in Canada. And sounds like the United States is as important to your future as, as your home country up there to the north. I look forward to sharing more with you. For our listeners, if you want more information like this, be sure and visit us at www.learnmoreeatbetter.com. Till next time.